please stand for the reading of the word from Matthew chapter 14. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there and about to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Good morning to you, uh, uh, to our Highland family, but also to all the guests that are in town uh, this morning, also to you that are with us online. It's good for you to be here. Uh, my name is Shane Hughes. I'm one of the ministers here, and we're going to jump into the sermon in just a minute. I got two items I need to talk about before we do that. Um, like Gretchen said, we have a men's gathering that's beginning this Wednesday. We also have a women's retreat that's starting up uh, in a couple of months. And I realize that for some of us, our time is busy, our lives are full. Um, and so I want you to make a commitment with me right now. If you have a spouse or a roommate, if you have an obligation to a person that might be involved in one of those two opportunities, which is nearly all of us, um, I want you to do something today. If, if you have a spouse that might be thinking about that women's retreat, I want you to say, don't worry about it. I got this. The kids might eat Chick-fil-A for six meals in a row, but I got this. I'm even going to get a house cleaner to show up Sunday morning so you don't even see the wreck that happened this weekend. Go on the retreat, right? Like, just send them off. You got this. You can handle one weekend so that your spouse can find meaningful connection with others. If you're a spouse um, that, and you have a husband, I want you to say to your husband, I can put the kids to bed on Wednesday night. Don't worry about it. We go, connect. Find that meaningful time, right? Encourage your partner to be a part of the connection that's happening here at Highland. One of the things that we really value here is connection. It's part of our three-year vision to create these exact types of groups that allow us to grow deeper with one another and with God. And so I want to call you out to say, you really need to consider participating in these things. Now, this men's group on Wednesday night, I get it. We've seen the spectrum that happens in men's groups and churches, right? On one end of the spectrum are, is these guys that are like, we're going to roll around in the mud and grunt, right? And on the other end of the spectrum is like, we're going to talk about our feelings and we're going to cry. And that's what you get into when you get into men's ministry. Well, neither of those ends is what's going to happen on Wednesday night. This is going to be a great opportunity to get to know other people. The speakers are incredible, and they're not going to push you to either of those extremes. We're going to talk about what it means to be a good leader. We're going to talk about what it means to be a good spouse and a good parent. 
These are important things, but more than all of those things, that's just the excuse, you guys. That's just the excuse to get together and get to know somebody. So show up, check it out, see what happens. The second thing I need to tell you about is Easter. Easter is coming up in a couple of weeks. Now, for the last year or so, thanks to Jeff Nelson and his leadership, we've been focusing on your five, right? It's the people that you live around. It's your nearest neighbors. And if you're in a house, maybe it's like next doors, across the street, and the diagonals, maybe the person behind the alley, right? If you're in an apartment, maybe it's next doors, across the way, up and down. It doesn't matter. You know who your five are. And we've been encouraging you to kind of get to know them. And if they had kids, invite them to Fall Fest. It's this easy, fun opportunity for them to meet and get to know people at Highland. Well, Easter is coming up. You know, Christmas Eve was another good opportunity. We have this beautiful candlelight service. We're going to sing Silent Night. It is, it is enchanted, that moment. Come and check it out. Easter is one of those times where our increasingly post-Christian secular society and the, the, the seasons of Christianity intersect, right? People that normally would not go to church, they might show up for Easter, especially if there's a good brunch. By the way, there's going to be an awesome brunch. That should be the selling point right there. There is going to be enough food for all of us. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be good stuff. So what I want to encourage you to do is in the next two weeks, figure out where that connection is with your neighbors and invite them to church. Hey, I'd love for you to come on Easter. The music there is incredible. The food is going to be really good. It's just going to be a good brunch. You can stay for the service if you want to. Go home, no big deal. Hey, did you know we have this amazing children's ministry at Highland? We have two of the best, and let me back that up. We have the two best children's ministers in, in, the, in the region, in the nation. Uh, you need to check out what they do. They'll take care of your kids. You'll get a chance to breathe. It's going to be awesome. Have you seen our preacher? He is really handsome. And he's funny, and he's funny about the way he's handsome. You guys got to come see this, right? There are a million different things that you can use to invite your five to participate. And they may not come. They may say, no, I'm busy, or no, I'm not interested. That's cool. You let it be, and we invite them again, right? You plant the seed and let God do the work. Maybe it's just not time for harvest yet. So you plant the seed and you let God do the work. So I would encourage you to invite people to show up to Easter this year. And I know there's a lot of guests here, and you're like, well, what's that got to do to me? Do it to your church, y'all. Like, take this home and do something valuable to it there. So show up on Wednesday night if you're a man. Uh, Show up uh, at the women's retreat if you're a woman. And think of your five whom you can invite to church in two weeks. Before we jump into the word today, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to be gathered in your presence. Father, I have been blessed by the songs that have been lifted up in praise to you. I've been blessed by the people who proclaim your name to this world. I am grateful for the presence of your son at the table tonight. And so, Father, I ask now that as we turn our hearts and minds to your word, that you would pour through me the gift of preaching, that I might speak your truth and love to these, your people. And it's together that we all say, amen. All right, so for the season of Lent, as a church, we've been going through this sermon series called Feast Fast. And we've been moving back and forth between those moments in Jesus' life where he experiences the feast, the abundance, and the fast. Now, what we've been learning the whole way through is it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a feast time in your life or if you're in a season of lack, a fast time in your life. If you've got Jesus, you've got abundance. 
We started off by talking about the wedding at Cana where Jesus performs this incredible miracle. He makes the best wine and he makes more than you can possibly drink because where Jesus is, that's where God's abundance is. Jesus is God's abundance. And then a couple of weeks ago, we saw the tables that Jesus sits at and Jesus is going to sit at some odd places, places that also have people like tax collectors or sinners. But every time Jesus shows up at a table, Jesus becomes the host. He is the center of the party. And the question is not whether you're going to like the people there. The question is whether you're going to show up. Will you be at the party that Jesus hosts? And will you love the other guests who are there? Today, Matthew wants to tell the story of two feasts. Now, we only read about the first one. The second one is the story right before the feeding of the 5,000 in the book of Matthew. The first feast is lavish. The second is simple. It's just bread and dried fish. It's what my mom used to say when we would complain about having leftovers for like the third day in a row. What we have is what you got. At the first party, there is everything the best food and wine. Everyone who is anyone is there. They are dressed to impress. There is music and even extremely talented dancing girls. There's even a murder. It is the party that they will talk about in Jerusalem for years. It's a party that Herod throws. And Herod's ego and his sense of showing off his power kind of get in front of him. And he's put in this really awkward spot because that dancing girl asks for John the Baptist's head. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And so at the beginning of our story, Jesus leaves to be alone. His his family, his kin has been murdered. He wants to grieve and he wants to remember And I imagine this, Jesus heads off. He remembers when they were kids and he and his cousin would play together. And he remembers his own baptism. He remembers John looking him in the eye and saying, I'm not worthy to even untie your sandals. And then that moment they shared when the spirit came down after his baptism. And I imagine Jesus is remembering his own commitment to God. That his own road is going to take him to the same place that his cousin John did. Because his cousin John was willing to speak truth to power and to tell Herod he's in the wrong, he ended up in prison and ultimately dead. And Jesus sees his own path headed in the same direction. Is it worth it? The beginning of our story says that Jesus heads to a lonely place, but the crowds follow him. And you've been there. All you want to do is sit in the deer blind by yourself or go to a beach and read a book on your own and you get interrupted. You've been there. You hide in the bathroom eating Twizzlers while little hands peek under the door saying incessantly, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. You've been there. I never understood why my dad spent so much time in the bathroom until I had kids. It just makes sense now. (laughs) Too far? Oh, well. Um... You know what it's like to, have, to just really want that quiet night after a hard day's work. 
and legitimate need begins knocking at the door. And Jesus has compassion. Jesus teaches. Jesus cares. Jesus heals the sick. And on days like that where it seems like the line has been out the door all day long and you're, just, you're doing the work of God, it goes on and on and it gets late. And the people need food. So, so which party would you rather be at? I mean, we all know the answer because we've been to Sunday school, um, and we know that the answer is with Jesus, but I want us to pause here for a minute. Which party would you rather be at? The one that's going to help you with your career. The one where there's good food. The one where everyone is going to be talking about it the next uh, day at work, and you kind of want to say, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I love fancy places. I like to eat in fancy places. I love when there's a, like cool ambience and really a really good menu. Uh, my kids love to wander around restaurants and tend to make terrible messes, and so we don't go to fancy places. Um, so sometimes our life, our meals are simple, but simple doesn't mean plain. The best bread I've ever eaten was that homemade, crusty bread, those hearty loaves an hour out of the oven. A five-star restaurant can't compare to the bread that you've made yourself. So even though one party seems like the place to be, it's not always the case. Jesus tells his disciples, you feed them. How? All they have is five loaves and and two fish. That's barely enough just to feed the 12 and Jesus. How are they supposed to feed this crowd of 15, 20,000 people? What Jesus does is he takes the bread, he takes what they have, and he blesses it, and he thanks God for generous gifts. And maybe he even said what we said today, give us this day our daily bread. And then he sends out the disciples to distribute it. And what follows is what makes theologians twitch a little bit. And there's this conversation that happens among scholars about exactly what happens next. And one side of the camp says, well, it doesn't matter how often they ripped those loaves, how often they stuck their hand in the basket to pull out fish, that there were always more. Just those loaves never really seemed to get empty. And this is a miracle that God has done many times. I could tell you about a story that happened at this church. It was, we were serving at breakfast at Beach Street, and they opened up the backroom covers. It's a place where we feed homeless uh, every day. It's open. A partnership of churches uh, serve every day to give breakfast and a good meal to the working poor. And they opened up the cupboards, and there weren't enough loaves of bread. They need about two dozen loaves of bread. There was about 15 and so one of the workers came to, to the, the guy that directs the place, and he says, you want me to run down to Walmart? Do you want me to buy some more bread? I don't think we're going to have enough. And the director said, just don't worry about it. And the day went on, and the normal amount of people came, and they kept pulling loaves out of that cupboard. And at the end of the day, there were three loaves left. That's not a miracle that God only did once. That's a miracle that God repeats. God repeats. 
There's another side of this story that says, well, maybe the miracle's not bread that doesn't end. Maybe it's something else. Lloyd Douglas wrote a book called The Robe back in the 50s. It became a movie that you can see, and it's a story of the centurion at the end of Mark who says, surely this man was the son of God, and it kind of creates a backstory. It's historical fiction, a backstory of, of an investigation about how does that centurion get to the point to proclaim a Jewish rabbi as God. And one of the stories, the way that Douglas tells it, is that now he uses Luke, where the little boy comes forward with what he's got. Because the reality of living in the Mideast in the first century, and if you're going to wander out into the desert, you're going to take care of yourself. Like, you know how to survive where you live. It's kind of like when you pass Midland going west on I-20, you make sure you've got a full tank of gas. You don't play around. If you're going to go to Abilene State Park, you make sure you've got a bottle of water and sunscreen. Otherwise, you're going to be in a world of hurt, right? And so everybody knows what they're doing and where they're going. They're following Jesus out to the deserted places, so they all bring food with them. But nobody wants to share. Because human beings have this sense of selfishness. And I get that. I don't want to be prepared and ready to go and I made everything right and then I go hungry because some, somebody else didn't bring their food. I get that. In Douglas' story, this little boy comes forward. And the boy doesn't know about the crowd. He just sees Jesus' eyes. And he says, this is what I've got. I'm willing to share. And so maybe, just maybe, there's people that are putting fish in to those baskets as they're passed around. Maybe, just maybe, some of those loaves are being pulled out of baskets and put in to share. And maybe that's the miracle. Maybe it's not the miracle of an abundance of food, but the miracle of changed hearts. And if you want me to argue about which is the better miracle, I'll tell you the truth. The most powerful thing that God does in the world, the most powerful miracle that God performs is the changed heart. And the good news is that it happens all the time. So it doesn't really matter, however you want to explain it. You, you, want to, you want to see one miracle or you want to see another. It doesn't matter to me. But what we see is that when Jesus shows up, there is abundance. I love what Catherine Merrill says. She writes, but for that many people to stay, for that many people to say that they were satisfied enough, that they didn't need the leftovers... What I see is a crowd who so wanted Jesus' dinner party to work. They wanted more dinner parties where everyone was invited. They wanted more dinner parties where no one was hungry. They wanted more dinner parties where politics wasn't more important than human life. They wanted more parties where no one was beheaded. And if the menu was a little basic, just bread and fish of a normal peasant meal, but healing and compassion were on the menu then the kingdom of God was in this world, not just the next. Jesus calls us to live in the real world where we have real choices about the dinner parties we attend. Jesus asks us to really evaluate our choices so that the glamour of a fancy menu and a fancy venue with fancy people is weighted against the glamour of healing and compassion and everyone having enough. So let me suggest three things. What you have to offer is more than enough. What you have to offer 
is more than enough. In the book of Matthew, there's no little boy. Jesus turns to his disciples. Jesus turns to us, and he says, you feed them. In the economy of heaven, there is always enough. What you have is more than bread and fish. You also can offer what Jesus offers through the power of the Spirit. You can offer compassion, and you can offer mercy. You can offer forgiveness. And when you offer these things, it becomes a grace. The meal becomes a mystery, and that mystery can change the world. God has already given Highland everything it needs for this season to do the work of God in this place. We have more than enough. And I can't help but imagine those few rich folk that had the wherewithal to send their servants back to a village. They saw time was getting late. They knew they wanted something to eat. They didn't really care for fish and bread. And so they sent their servant to the village, and they came back with wine and cheese, a whole charcuterie. Charcuterie. That word is hard. Charcuterie. Still wrong. Moving on. They brought the whole spread out, and they didn't want to share. And so they go over the hill to eat it by themselves, and they miss the miracle. They miss the work of God. We have more resources than we think. God has given us enough, and we have more than we think we do. Third is fairly simple. There is a meditation in this text about the nature of power. Herod has his power, and Jesus has his. Herod's boasting is gonna get him backed into a corner And Jesus' power challenges his disciples to dig deeper into their faith and find out what is really there. And Jesus' power will confront Herod, just like the power of God has been confronting the Herods of this world since the beginning of time. I loved what Leah said in her communion reflection. And Herod will be confronted with the exact same mercy and patience that Jesus shows to this crowd. And it's going to look like Herod is the victor at first. It's going to look like Herod ends another threat to his rule, stopping another Galilean from speaking the truth. But we know that that is not the end of the story. Herod's Herod's legacy and position now rests at the bottom of an ash heap of rulers who have found the paradoxical power of God's kingdom to be too great a challenge for their own existence. There is something about power here. And the way that Jesus handles power. And it seems to me if we follow the steps of our master out of the city to the lonely places and we kind of let go of what we have, we're going to discover we'll have more than we ever thought we could ask for or imagine. So I want to challenge you this week. I want to call an audible I hope that you're going through our, our, our Lenten uh, meditation, that, that, um, the booklet, and, and engaging in those disciplines and, and reflecting on those meditations. I hope you've been making that part of your habit along with the morning prayers as you listen to them each morning in this Lent. It's not too late to jump on. Uh, those are, that is a great resource for you. But this week, I want to challenge you to do something in particular. I want you to throw a party. 
And I want it to be simple. Lavish parties are amazing things, and that's an exercise of hospitality. But, but make it simple, because simple doesn't necessarily mean plain. And invite the people around the table that you think Jesus would invite. And discover what happens when we lean into the promise that when we find ourselves following the, feet, the footsteps of Jesus, there is always more than enough. So this week, next week, before Easter, throw the kind of party that Jesus would attend and see what happens to compassion and mercy and joy and love. Would you please stand for our benediction? Our prayer partners are going to be coming to the front of the auditorium. And if you need prayer, they want to be available for you. At the end of the service, uh, you can come forward and you can find them. And they're happy to pray with you or talk with you. And if that's the kind of thing that requires a a deeper conversation that needs to head into coffee uh, next week, they're going to be more than happy to do that with you. Uh, These are trusted uh, members of our church, our shepherds, and our leaders. Uh, They are here for you today. But I want to send you, I want you to keep that challenge in your mind. Find the place, find the way, find the space to allow the miracle of compassion, the miracle of sharing, and spend some time this week resting in the abundance of a God who can give more than you could possibly ask or imagine. May you walk with our Lord Jesus this week. May you feel the rhythm of the Spirit in your heart and go in peace.